Hey, this is Andy Lucas, pastor of Emmaus Road Church in Fort Collins, Colorado. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this message helps you grow in your walk with Christ. If you'd like to support this ministry, visit theroadfc.org and click the giving link. Uh, Well, we're in a series called Defining Marks. Uh, We're in the final week of that series. Uh, And if you're wondering what defining marks are, let me give you a little bit of an intro before we uh, introduce the third defining mark. Uh, Defining marks are statements that communicate our core identity as a church. And so this series is a little bit different than others where normally we would look at a particular Bible passage and unpack that uh, as part of a theme series or something like that. During the defining marks, we're taking three weeks just to talk about and explore who we are as a community. So it's a little bit of a different feel. Uh, But they, they do communicate our core identity as a church. Uh, These defining marks are not meant in any way to communicate an exhaustive church strategy plan or anything like that, but rather are statements of what we feel make us unique as a church, particularly in the evangelical space. Uh, They also will help shape our ministries and what we do and how we do them. And our hope is really that as we're introducing these, that we're not really doing anything new or unfamiliar, but rather just articulating and providing words and language for the stuff we've been doing over the last two or more years. Uh, So the first mark, uh, if you remember, was all about our citizenship in God's kingdom. Uh, We talked about how citizenship in heaven uh, is all about bringing the, um, the culture of heaven to bear on earth. Uh, that being a citizen is about bringing that culture with you where you go. And Paul says, uh, you are citizens of heaven. And, and that doesn't mean that like, you go somewhere when you die necessarily. It's more than that. It's bigger than that. Uh, what it means is bringing the culture of heaven to bear on earth right here and right now. Uh, and so if we're citizens of heaven, then, our, then Christ uh, holds our allegiance, which means that we are going to engage the world and culture from a kingdom perspective. Uh, What this means is that as a church, we're not going to shy away from kind of any hot button issues, but rather if the culture is wrestling and talking about something, we want to be talking about those things, but from a kingdom perspective uh, as well. So that may also mean that sometimes uh, things might get... or I hate to even use this word, but sometimes things will come across as political, but it's rather, it's not us being partisan in any way, but rather just trying to wrestle with what culture is talking about from a kingdom perspective, uh, which reminds me, uh, you have heard of the news about a zero tolerance policy happening on our borders that has resulted in the separation of children from their parents. And as a church, we stand with a statement that was released by our denominational board of general superintendents that says we cannot support such a policy for it dehumanizes people. Uh, And so uh, it dehumanizes those who are seeking asylum in our country. And I was uh, rather proud to be part of a denomination whose leaders were not afraid to speak out on such an issue that dehumanizes people. And so as a church, we stand uh, with our our highest leaders, our board of general superintendents, uh, in, in, in denouncing how this policy in particular dehumanizes people. Now, the second mark uh, points us to uh, the importance of story uh, and how our worship is shaped very intentionally to retell the story of Jesus. Uh, And and we talked about how time tells a story or how you mark time tells a a particular story uh, and how stories then shape us. And so what we said is how we uh, mark time as a community forms us as a people together. So we're going to intentionally tell the Christian story in our communal life together. That is to say that we'll have, there'll be far more attention given to the Christian calendar, which retells the life of Christ, than the national calendar, which kind of tells the story of a nation. Uh, Because we're not 
we're not so interested in being formed as religious Americans as we are being formed into the people of God. Uh, and, and so that's kind of what our, our communal rhythms uh, will be centered around. Uh, today what I want to talk to you about is our third and final defining mark. Uh, but before I do that, I want to tell you next week we're going to start a brand new series called The Day of the Lord. Uh, and in case that sounds all like uh, end-time calamity, uh, it's not. There's a whole... Uh, the, in order to understand the day of the Lord, we have to start actually in Genesis. And so for the next four weeks, we're going to look at the biblical theme of the day of the Lord and, and maybe how it's come to mean sort of end-time calamity kinds of things. Uh, so we'll, we'll start that next week. Uh, it should be a lot of fun. So... Uh, let's read the, 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 yeah, so like the, I say it's a lot of fun and people are laughing, so that's okay. Um, um, <laughs> so let's, let's read the third defining mark. Hopefully it's up on the screen. Um, do we have it there? Okay, very good. Uh, okay, so the third defining mark is we pursue uh, intergenerational ministry. Uh, as a church, we believe every generation brings value to our community. Therefore, we intentionally connect all generations through worship, service, and fellowship. This promotes spiritual formation and provides a sense of belonging for all ages. That's our, that's our third defining mark. Now, the final mark declares uh, that we pursue intergenerational ministry, but if we are going to understand that, we first need to uh, understand what we're talking about when we say intergenerational, if we're going to know what it means to pursue that. Uh, so, so let's unpack that a little bit. Um, there's actually some confusion about what is intergenerational ministry versus multi-generational ministry. Uh, and if you weren't confused about that, then let me create confusion and then clarify it. Okay? Uh, so, uh, so, so multi-generational ministry uh, is ministry that is made available for multiple generations but separate from one another. It's ministry that's made available for lots of different generations, but separate from one another. And this has actually been the dominant church ministry uh, approach for mainline denominations uh, for 40 or more years. Uh, and the belief or the conviction behind multi-generational ministry is that each stage of life is best served by the church if, the, if a ministry is offered for that particular stage. Uh, in isolation of other uh, ministries or other generations. Uh, this led to the birth of what is called niche ministry, uh, or uh, could also be called, let's call it genres of ministry, because I've got a little uh, media theme running throughout that you'll pick up on. So let's call these genres. So lots of churches, if you go and you look at their bulletin, they have children's ministry, youth ministry, college ministry, men's ministry, women's ministry, singles ministry, senior ministry, all of these kind of stage of life, gender-oriented niche ministries. And this is all sort of born out of this conviction that we can best minister to folks if we meet them right where they are at. Uh, and even there's, there's like sub-genres of ministry, uh, just like there's sub-genres of of TV shows. Like I was browsing Netflix the other day because our family is looking for a new show to watch. Uh, and we be, I began to notice like all the sub-genres, right? Uh, like it's not just action, romance, comedy, and drama anymore, but there are hundreds, literally hundreds of sub-genres. So now it's like action movies with a strong female lead or uh, bromance comedies, right? You know what I'm talking about. There's, and there's all sorts of others. Like there's all these subgenres of stuff going on. And with multi-generational uh, ministry, churches can become experts in genre or subgenre uh, ministry. But the question that we have to address is, is this the best approach? Uh, and that's a really, really important question. 
uh, because there's tons of value uh, in these, these multi-generational models. There's, there absolutely is. And as a church, we want to recognize that there is value in age-appropriate teaching or life-stage connection, uh, but we feel like the, the, the value added is not at the, it should not be at the expense of separating the generations. Does this make sense? Uh, and so we feel like the most ideal approach to ministry is to create opportunities uh, for ministry to multiple generations at the same time with intentional opportunities of intergenerational ministry. Uh, so um, before intergenerational ministry took off, um, before multi-generational ministry took off, intergenerational ministry was the norm. Right? In fact, many of you probably remember growing up and having to sit in church every single Sunday. Right? I will not ask for a show of hands. Uh, but some of you, it wasn't just once on Sunday, right? It was Sunday morning. It was Sunday night. And then Wednesday night. And you were eight years old and you had to sit in church for like hours per week. Right? And your parents just kind of drug you along and that was it. Uh, and what you did is you went, because when you went to church, back then you went to church as a family, that's just how it went, and maybe you had age-appropriate Sunday school, but the service was for everyone. And, and what, we're, what we're trying to do is we're thinking like maybe folks were just kind of dragging kids to church back then, and, and what we want to add is the word intentional, intergenerational. So, so we believe the ideal for ministry is having age-appropriate teaching when we need to, but then being very intentional about creating opportunities for intergenerational ministry. Does this make sense? Good. Okay. Now, let me also just say, uh, like, and I'm going to like kind of cock my hip and let my backbone slip while I say this. This is like so biblical, right? <laughs> right? Like this, this makes total sense because what the scripture does is some of you are like, what did he say? Cock his hip, make his backbone slip. Like, it's okay. You'll get it later. Uh, what Scripture does is it affirms over and over and over again the value of every generation. And so what we want to do is create a church that has that same level of valuing every generation. Uh, listen to just some passages of Scripture. Uh, Psalm 145 verse 4 says, One generation shall laud your works or declare your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. Right? Like, the psalmist is saying that the way in which we, we share the good news of, the, of, of what God has done is we share it with the generations, with one another. We're declaring to one another the goodness of God, and, and the, 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 the declaration is moving in all directions, that, that those who are a little bit further down the road are declaring the good news to the young folks. The young folks are declaring the good news to those who are a little bit further down the road and saying, it may, my faith may not look exactly like your faith, but man, I love Jesus, right? And my music may not sound like your music, but I love Jesus and I love to praise him. And so there's, there's these generations bringing value to one another. Are you with me? Then Proverbs chapter 16, verse 31, and some of you will love this, says, gray hair is a crown of glory. <laughs> and it is gained in a righteous life. Listen, I got some salt and pepper going on in my beard. And... Uh, my wife likes it, but I don't. Like, if it gets too long, I can start seeing the salt a little more than the pepper, if you know what I mean. And I'm like, I got to shave that stuff off. But maybe I should, just, I should just listen to this, that the gray hair is a crown of glory. Yeah, just embrace it. Embrace it. 
Matthew 19, verse 14 says this, Jesus said, let the little children come to me, do not stop them, for it is to such as these that the kingdom of heaven belongs. Matthew, just one chapter earlier, Matthew 18, verses 1 through 5 says this, at the time the disciples came to Jesus and asked, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? At this, he called a child whom he put among them, and he said, truly I tell you, unless you become like children, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. For whoever becomes humble like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. Now remember, we shouldn't think about the kingdom of heaven as that thing, that place that you go after you die, but the kingdom of heaven as the reign and rule of God right here and right now. That that God is, that Jesus is using a child to teach us something about what it looks like to live a life of faith to live a life of allegiance to Jesus Christ. And he's using a child to illustrate that reality. And I wonder in how many of our churches, children are just kind of like put off to the side because we don't believe that they can have knowledge of who God is, that they can't teach us something about faith when they can. Right? And so the, the witness of Scripture is that there's value in all the generations. And so we feel like intergenerational ministry is the best approach to sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with the next generation and the next generation and the next generation as we laud and declare the goodness of God to one another. That's pretty cool, huh? I want to be a part of a church where generations are coming together intentionally to share the good news with one another. Well, let me, t- let me give you one el- other illustration to help clarify the difference between multi-generational ministry and intergenerational ministry. Uh, and to do that, I want to use media and TV shows. Here's a good example of multi-generational ministry. Dora the Explorer. Twilight, or High School Musical. Taken, which is an action movie with plenty of adult content but surrounding the theme of what we would be willing to do for our kids. Uh, and then book club or bucket list. All right? Okay? Now, listen, multi-generational ministry, each movie or TV show that I just mentioned has a very particular audience in mind. And that very particular audience can enjoy that movie, love it, identify with it, learn from it, right? Door of the Explorer, like, say backpack and what do you need? And like the preschoolers learning, right? You can learn from it. You can do all these kinds of things, but there's not a lot of value for other generations. Uh, that is to say that um, I can sit and watch Dora with my preschooler, but I'm not going to enjoy it, okay? Um, I can watch Twilight, but not because I like it, I watch it for what I call cultural intelligence. You know what cultural intelligence is? It's like stuff that everybody's talking about that a preacher ought to know about. So like one, this is like several, several years ago. I'm in the basement watching Twilight. Amy comes down and is like, she's like, what are you doing? I'm like, you know, I'm watching Twilight. And she's like, What? And I said, yeah, I need to watch it like for cultural intelligence because it's like all the rage right now. And then I swear to you, for years after that, she told all of our friends, Andy loves Twilight. <laughs> okay, so um, 
so also, like, like, I can sit down and I can watch book club, but let me just tell you, like, I am not there. Like, some, some of you know what I'm talking about. Uh, but, but like, and I can enjoy some laughs, but I'm just not there. That's multi-generational ministry, right? It's got a very targeted audience in mind, but there's not tons of value for the other generations that aren't targeted for that particular thing. Now, let me give you an example of intergenerational ministry. Every Pixar movie ever. Okay? Because, listen, Pixar and other animated films have this brilliant ability to tell a story that all generations can enjoy. Have you ever noticed this in Pixar movies? There are puns, there are comedy elements, there are storyline elements in those movies that are purely 100% for adults, right? Like, our kids are watching it, and it goes right over their heads while the parents are busting up laughing. But guess what? The kids also love the movies, They love those Pixar movies because the characters are fun, for the easy laughable moments, for the bright colors in it. And and listen, there's like, for the overarching story that the children can grasp, it's like, it's brilliantly woven together to have enough complicated story elements to keep adults interested, but the overarching storyline element is simple enough to keep kids connected. These are intergenerational movies that we quite enjoy as a family. In fact, I I can remember several times my family, along with a grandparent or grandparents, sitting down and enjoying movies like Finding Dory or Inside Out, or last night we watched Coco, right? And it's like, listen, if you want to sit down and you want to watch Barbie, I'm not cool. Like, I just, I'm not not interested. But if you want to sit down and you want to watch Coco... Because this is how it went down in my house last night. Kids, can we please watch Coco? <laughs> like, I'm serious. This is exactly how it went down. No, we want to watch this. No, we're going to watch Coco, right? Because it's like a Pixar movie we haven't seen yet, you know? And we're interested in it. We want to see it. This is intergenerational ministry. So um, at, at, at the risk of going too far, I want to say this. We want to have a Pixar-style ministry, Right? And so, so let me tell you, actually, let me just tell you, but, 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 but here, did you know this? Pixar, very intentionally, only releases one to two movies a year. Because guess what? If they released five or six or seven or eight, we'd lose interest. Because the consistent diet of animated children's movies, adults would lose interest, right? And so in order to keep a wide intergenerational audience, they limit the time. The best approach is, yes, have age-appropriate teaching when it's available and when it's necessary, but as much as you can, get the generations together and there's value. You with me? And so what we feel, so let me tell you about some opportunities here at the church for you to sit down and enjoy Pixar-style ministry. The first is we have intergenerational Sundays that happen on the fifth Sunday of every month. Some of you are like, I'm doing the math, and that doesn't happen every month. You're right. Every time a month has five Sundays, the fifth Sunday is an intergenerational Sunday. Uh, So like four times a year. But then we also do it around some holidays, some major holidays. And so we're up to like six or seven or eight times a year. Uh, And out of 52, that's not very many, right? Uh, And our goal is to maybe kind of increase that a little bit uh, so that we can have more and more intergenerational Sundays. But guess what? That's also why... During every Sunday, the children ages, what is it, Grace, ages four and up, three and up, are with us during the music so that they can learn to sing the songs that we're singing. 
because we believe there's value in that. And so, uh, so intergenerational Sundays, and, and we do it around the holidays because we don't want to separate children from their parents on Easter Sunday. We don't want to ask volunteers to miss our Easter celebration. And so for the past two Easter's in particular, we've had a fully intergenerational celebration. And can I just tell you, it has been awesome. And I hope that you think so too, right? Uh, so we have intergenerational Sundays. We also have events that are intentionally intergenerational, events like Faith and Film Night, uh, Community Day of Prayer that we did right around Easter weekend. Uh, our hike yesterday at Rocky Mountain National Park is intentionally trying to connect the kids and the parents and families and, and anybody that wants to come. It's an easy hike, so it's, ac- it's a- accessible for a larger number of people, all these kinds of things. And, and so we, we want you, what I want you to know is that when you read in the bulletin, all ages welcome. That is not code for you are allowed to bring your kids. All ages welcome means this is intentionally intergenerational. It means we have talked to Grace and said, Grace, how can we make this kid friendly? How can we make sure that kids can be a part of this? It means that we've gotten our leaders together and said, how can we make this accessible for every generation? Because intergenerational ministry also, we're doing our very best to make sure that intergenerational ministry is not code for children's ministry, right? But all generations, okay? That's what we're doing our best to do. Uh, And then we also have service opportunities because what better time to spend, what better way to spend time together as a family a church family, uh, than to serve together. We have monthly opportunities like Renee's Hope, Parkwood Game Night are great for all ages. Faith Family Hospitality is a wonderful opportunity that comes around quarterly. Advent Conspiracy Gift Fair that happens once a year is a wonderful way to involve all ages in serving a great cause. And so as a church, we want to pursue intergenerational ministry. And, and, and our part, our part, when I say our, like the leadership uh, of Emmaus Road, our part in intergenerational ministry is to create opportunities. But guess what? The church is not made up of the staff or its leaders uh, or ministry directors. The church is all of you. So how can we together be an intergenerational church? I'm glad you asked. <laughs> right? So number one, we can be an intergenerational church by welcoming all ages Can I tell you something? I've said a couple times today that facility is supposed to facilitate. The welcome center, the sanctuary, the foyer, the play area, not the hallways, they're too narrow, but I I didn't have any planning in that. But, But all the other spaces of this church are meant to be spaces of connection, right? That's what they're for. The sanctuary, the welcome center, the play area, the foyer are all designed to be places of connection. So let me encourage you, If you see a child, say hello to the child. Give them high five. Learn their name. That will help them feel connected to the church as a whole. Are you with me? I thought for sure I'd get like some amens there, right? Like notice kids. Notice some kids. Say hello to some kids. Now listen, the other thing is, would you take time to hear the stories of some of our older adults and senior adults? Invite them to coffee during the week. Sit down with them in the Welcome Center before service. Say, hey, can I meet you at 9.15 in the Welcome Center next Sunday? And hear stories and learn and hear perspective that maybe you haven't heard before. Ask advice or learn the perspective from someone who is different from you. And listen, get to know a teenager. And I know it might be hard. 
and you might have to unbury their face from their phone, but you do it, okay? And listen, some adults, you might have to unbury their face from a phone too, okay? But what if on a Sunday morning in the sanctuary and the foyer and the welcome center, all of our heads were unburied from our phones and we were talking and connecting with one another? Wouldn't that be beautiful? Now, I know some churches do this. I'm not quite ready to be that risky, but some churches have a phone basket. You put it there as you come in. <laughs> we have one vote so far, <laughs> right? But, but it's like, what, I would love to see like, this, this kind of buzz before the service of getting to know one another and talking and, and a buzz after the service of, of, of fellowship and conversation. It's a great thing. So the first thing that we can do to become an intergenerational church is welcome all ages. The second thing we can do to become an intergenerational church is participate. Can I say something out loud? Intergenerational services and ministry is not always easy or convenient. In fact, I would say it's often difficult and inconvenient, particularly if you're a parent of a toddler right? With children in the pew, sometimes making noise, certainly being all wiggly, as kids get. It seems that they aren't getting anything out of the service, and then because of that, I'm not getting out of the serv- anything out of the service. And it seems like we ask the question, is it even worth it? And I would say to you, yes, it is. It is worth it for three reasons. The first one is connection. Children generally love to be with their parents. Children generally love to be with their parents. And so as a parent, you are the primary spiritual teacher. And so what a great opportunity to to parent in the pew, right? And, and, And by parent in the pew, I don't mean sit down, shut up, and keep your mouth shut. But rather, but rather, Hey, do you want to sing along? Or we're doing this because, you know, I know it's weird to have a snack in church, but here's what communion means, right? Like, like parenting in the pew as using this kind of teaching opportunity of this is what our, you know, and that's age appropriate, I get it. Like at some ages, you know, uh, like the Lex, they're not teaching Xander right now about all this. This is called a sermon, Xander. No, he just wants to eat, you know? And we love it. And I'm sorry to call attention to you. <laughs> But it's like, it's like there's, there's a parenting style in the pew that's like, hey, the, come along. This is what we're doing. It creates this sense of connection because you experience faith development together and conversations are opened up where they can begin to ask, why did we do that? And what's this all about? And those kinds of things. Like, like make sure that you're participating with us because the other thing too is there's tons of anecdotal research that shows that young, that young people who aren't connected to someone outside of their peer group don't stay in the church. In other words, lots of anecdotal research says that if my only, my only friends in church are the people in my niche ministry, then as soon as I age out, I'm likely to leave. As soon as I age out of youth group or I age out of college ministry, then because I've never felt connected to a larger group of people or a group of people older than myself. That's what the research shows. And so a part of faithfully sharing the gospel with the next generation is making sure that we're, con- that we're ma- making sure that kids are connected to people outside of their peer group. 
Um, if there was a picture of church, I believe it would be a picture not of ages in separate rooms that are all in a building, but a great picture for the church is a really long table at which everyone is seated. You know what I'm saying? That's the kind of church we want to be. Uh, so connection. The other thing is value. Shared experiences demonstrate value for both the experience and one another. Let me give you an example. Uh, my family was not rich growing up. In fact, we didn't have tons of money. But what we did every single summer without fail is go on a family vacation. And so as a child, I learned that there is value in taking dedicated time to go and be together. And there's value in going and sharing an activity and going some places and doing some stuff and doing it together as a family. We learned, I learned intuitively that that was valuable just by way of experience, right? And, and so what, we're, what, what that demonstrates is going to church together as a family demonstrates that time together is important and that church is important in the same way as any shared experience shows value for the experience and that we value one another because we're doing it together. And so for those of you who are going to church and bringing the family, I give you kudos. You're doing a great job. <laughs> You're doing a great job. And then the third thing is development. James Fowler has done some really helpful work on stages of faith development. Uh, this is not the best uh, venue for me to share uh, James Fowler uh, faith development theory although I'm certain all of you would be as interested as I am. Uh, but I won't share all those things here except to say uh, that the research has shown that it is valuable for a child simply to be present in a service and to watch their parent participate in the practices of faith. That simply being present is developmentally valuable to the child. Even in the moments when you're chasing and, and doing all this kind of stuff, and you're like, I'm not getting, you know, even in the, 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 the environment itself is forming and shaping that child and is essential to their faith development. Uh, often, discipleship is misunderstood as the gathering of more information. In fact, I would, I would argue that the modern church, most of our discipleship programs are, are more information programs. So we get together and we learn more information, uh, more Greek words, more Hebrew words, more about Jesus, more this, that, just more and more information. Uh, and so what we misunderstand when it comes to our kids is if they can't articulate right information, then they're not being formed in the faith. Or we say there's no discipleship value until they can tell me what they have learned. Uh, and I would say this is not true at all. In fact, James Fowler's stages of faith development show us that there's lots of formation happening before the child can ever, like, articulate discipleship information, right? But because we've kind of limited our understanding of discipleship to, you can tell me about the information you learned, uh, then there's nothing happening. So, in other words, uh, parents, when, when uh, this happens to us, like, all the time. So, when, when, you're, when your kids come home from E-Kids, you're like, hey, what'd you learn? And they're like, nothing, or I don't know, or Jesus. Uh, <laughs> don't, think, don't think to yourself, oh... Grace isn't doing her job, or E-Kids isn't valuable, because that's not true. Uh, it, there, there's stuff happening even though they can't yet articulate it all. You with me? Um, and, and that's been a real temptation for us. Like, oh, you know, you can't really tell us what you learned? Then you're not learning anything. And that's not the case, okay? 
so hopefully all of this makes sense, uh, but I want to make sure that we become and pursue. That means, that means we're not there, but that we want to pursue intergenerational ministry uh, by welcoming all ages and participating in the opportunities that are created uh, to, to be intergenerational. Uh, and we can do it as a church because we believe there's tremendous value uh, in it. And it brings value to all generations where all people feel connected. And it helps form us as the people of God. Are you with me? So that's the defining marks. Uh, I'm, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. You're like, hey. Uh, I'm actually quite proud of these. Uh, with our citizenship in God's kingdom, our worship shaped to retell the story of God, and pursuing intergenerational ministry. Um, I believe these beautifully articulate who we are as a church, and I believe they give us a really solid identity to move us into the next season in the life of our church. So uh, let's say a word of prayer, and then I'm going to lead us uh, to the Lord's table, and uh, we'll pray, and we'll sing some songs, and uh, we'll for sure have you out of here by noon. I'm just kidding, way before that. Um, hey, hey, Lord, uh, thanks so much for your goodness to us. Thanks for being with us in these uh, weeks of exploring and unpacking and defining uh, who you would desire us to be as a church. Uh, we pray, God, that these defining marks um, would not be words, just words on a page, would not just be those three sermons we did back then, uh, but that they, would, that they would indeed move us forward as a church, that they would provide direction for us. Uh, God, help us to, to lean into and, and pursue uh, these things to which you have called us. Um, and so, God, to do all of that, we need your help, we need your wisdom, we need your discernment, uh, but we pray, God, that you would give it and that you would offer it uh, in abundance. Uh, so, Lord, thanks for your goodness to us. Thanks for leading us in this way. Um, we love you, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.